Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Ultras. It's been quite a while since we did our last show. We have a lot to go through, it feels like. And joining us, as usual, from Singapore, I have nothing that I can think of to say to introduce him. You're a bit lethargic today. I think you almost forgot the name of the podcast. Yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm knackered, man. It's been a long <laughs> week. Have you? Yeah, it is Friday afternoon as we record this. It's the beating heart of the Ultras, Darren Burns. <laughs> How are you, Thanks, Darren? Thanks, How are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. Good. Good to hear it. Sun is shining. The weather is sweet. Great. Well, I hope you, you take that sunny disposition into your IPL previews that will be coming up. You bet I will. And on the line in Hong Kong, he's got a new microphone, Toby Doman. Hello. How are you? I'm well, Toby. How's your mic? Do you feel like you're... Uh... It's, it's all right, actually. I, I, look, other mics are available, but it is the Blue Yeti. My, my favourite mythical beast is actually the Sasquatch, so it's quite apt that I do have a similar sort of animal in front of me right now in the form of a microphone. So let's see how we go. Hopefully it's uh, Chris. Let's go there. Why the Sasquatch? Why, oh, why? Well, I, I just like Harry and the Hendersons as a kid. I, uh, Harry lived with this very ordinary family and seemed to get on really well. Probably quite a good uh, middle-order batsman, actually, Harry. <laughs> I mean, you could see him kind of nudging a nerdling. <laughs> Not very good between the wickets, though. He's got a lot of hair. Yeah, that's true. Um, do you feel, you know, more like Henry Blofeld with your new mic? Yes. Next, next time we meet, I'll be wearing a shocking pink shirt and, uh, and some horrible trousers. Just for you. Excellent. Excellent my dear old thing. Oh, my dear old thing. My dear old thing. All right, we've got a lot to get through. We've got England and Australia. They played some cricket. Um, we have some big retirements, some very big retirements. We've got an IPL starting tomorrow, this weekend. Tomorrow, yeah. Saturday, soon. The 19th. And we've also got some stuff going on in Yorkshire. And we've got some stuff from Michael Holding as well. So we've got plenty to get through. But let's start with England-Australia. And Darren, I'll come to you first. Tell us what's been happening. Obviously, I'm delighted with the result of the third ODI. Australia claiming the series 2-1, of course. Um, I thought it was a great, good series with the T20s and the ODIs. I thought it undulated back and forth quite a bit. Either team could have won either of those series. I think it was good white ball cricket. Um, good to see the big man Besto back to his best. Um, smoking it around all over the place. He's put on some pounds, Big Johnny. He's pretty massive right now. And Archer was, was in good form in the ODIs, so was Wokes, and I think Zampa was a bit of a surprise, um, taking lots of wickets. And, and Maxwell, Glenn Maxwell, lives up to his promise in the last ODI to show everybody what he could do. So I think it was a, quite a fun little series. There was lots of ups and downs and some good, yeah, good stuff there, I thought. And, and what I'm, I'm still amazed by, those bloody currents. Whenever they're given a chance, they seem to do really well. Um, but nobody really rates them, those two gritty currents. <laughs> Tom and Sam. Damn you, currents. Toby, what did you make of it all? I mean, uh, England losing the one day. They won the T20s though, right? Yeah, and look, I agree with Darren. And first of all, hats off to the ECB. They've had to unpick how you put on an international cricket match and, and make it safe for everyone. And, and, and let's not forget the West Indies, obviously, at the beginning of the summer in Pakistan and Ireland played their part in all of the cricket over the summer. But the, the last three ODIs were really, really exciting. You know, it could have gone either way. I think going into the World Cup, the psychological edges are all, uh, are all important and Australia will be very, very happy to take that away 
particularly in the form of Johnny Bairstow, who scored 196 runs in uh, as a top run scorer. Glenn Maxwell, second uh, top run scorer in ODIs, and Sam Billings, third. So lots of runs, and good to see Archer and Wood with the pace. thought Australia looked really tidy. I think Carey, in the last ODI, just made up for some pretty poor game management in the second, uh, when he was sort of caught nerdling in the last few overs, and really sort of rammed it down his critics' throat there, so a really good performance from him. Um, and the bowling was excellent as ever. Pat Cummins was obviously world-class along with Mitchell Stark. So it was the top team, and you look at Australia just shaping up for that World Cup, you've got Finch as captain, Warner when he's firing, Smith to come back once his you know, health issues are behind him, and Labuschagne, that's a really core, world-class four uh, batting lineup. So they've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I was really impressed with Sam Billings. You know, I've heard about him, I've seen him do bits and pieces, but I felt this series he really stepped up to the plate and he looked pretty good in every knock, didn't he? Um, the 100 he scored in the second game was sensational, but he, look, he looks great. And he sort of played himself in um, in all those the games. I was very impressed with him. Is, is Jofra Archer back? By all accounts, he was bowling at full tilt. That's good to hear. He bowled really well in the ODIs. That's good. And just going back to the, to the T20s is, you know, David Milan, I, I, I've kind of heard of him. I've seen him around, but, and he, I know he's been in and, out, in and out of the test squad, but he's really um, taken off in T20s and he's now ranked the number one batsman in the world. And you can see why. Almost every innings he played, he changes gears quite easily. Either he, he puts his head down for a while, then he gets the boundary when he needs to. So super impressive. He's uh, number one in the world. He's number one in the world. In T20? In T20, yes. Wow, he must be the least well-known number one batsman ever. <laughs> Sorry. That's why I thought I'd mention it. I mean, it's, it's the truth though, right? It's, it's true. It is. Yeah. Flying under the radar. Well done to him. He was good. I, I do think England have to... Let's talk about Jason. And I think poor old Jason was hot stuff last year and a great World Cup. And now he looks like he's got custard pies for hands. He's not wearing his gloves at the moment. He's he's come out of an injury stretch, admittedly, but he's looked completely shot of confidence. And I think he may be the one casualty of the series from England's perspective to, to either move someone up or bring someone in. I think Tom Banton could force his way into the reckoning. He's a big hitter from uh, Somerset. So yeah, I think Jason Roy has had a poor series. But overall, I mean, most people had... Chris Wokes was superb. I mean, given that... Ben Stokes is one of the best all-rounders in, in the world right now. He works his overshadowed, but ordinarily, you know, solid number seven and he's bowling really well. He's, you know, he's a good pro. I think Jason Roy, it started going downhill when they, when they put him in the test team. That seemed to, to mess with him, mess with his head. Yeah, they, they did the same thing with Aaron Finch a couple of summers ago and it really messed him up for a while too. They tried to make him to a test player. He just isn't. Uh, and I think it messed with his confidence for quite a while. And now Finch seems back on top of things, mostly. But but I think the same thing might happen to Roy. It's, he sort of doesn't know how to play anymore. He sh- he's not sure what he should do, right? Um, but he's an explicit, explosive player. Yeah, Darren, any concerns at all? I saw, I mean, I, I must confess, I didn't pay a lot of attention to these matches, but I did see that Australia had contrived to lose games from winning positions. Yeah. And is is that a concern for you? Or is that just a reflection of... You know, this is an England team that's won a World Cup now. Owen Morgan looks really assured, actually, out there. Yeah, I, I think I wouldn't say that. A similar thing happened in South Africa earlier in the year where they just basically roasted a game that they were well ahead on in, in similar fashion. So for whatever reason, they just, they just when they get, you know, they're sort of cruising along, going along easily, a couple of wickets go down and they, they fall into a clump. I think in that match during this ODI series, they lost four for three in the second game, which was just is atrocious, right? 
when you have four top line batsmen throwing their wickets away. So it's a problem. I don't know what the problem is. Um, those are all very experienced players in that middle. So hopefully they'll find their feet. Um, there has been criticism too of Maxwell over the years and of Carey for not finishing games. I think they showed that they did that in the third ODI, although they had to get turn off the last over from Mitchell Stark. So um, very surprising that that uh, Owen Morgan bowled uh, Rashid in the last over against the tail ender um, and he sort of paid the price. I think Tom Curran could have been a better option there. But anyway, um, it is a concern for Australia, that falling away of the middle there after they get pretty good starts normally. So that's something they can work on. I think they've got it covered with their the players that they have. So I don't think it's too big a concern. Okay, cool. All right, anything else to say on these matches or should we move on? Onwards, onwards. We'll move on. So it's time for... It's time for a new section because a lot of people are retiring. In fact, they retire every time we do a show. Um, <laughs> it's time for the long walk back with Cricket Ultras. And we have two, two big names um, to go through here. Uh, let's start off in England, shall we, um, with Ian Bell, uh, who has retired. Uh, is it from all forms of cricket, Toby? It is, yeah. Ian Ronald Bell. What a player. Yeah, he's he's a he retired at thirty eight. Uh, the best sixteen year old I've ever seen. Not my words, but those of Dale Hadley, then director of the New Zealand Academy, elder brother of Sir Richard, of course. Um, it's just, it's kind of sad. He's like the last of the two thousand and five Ashes winning series, still playing first class cricket at the time uh, of retirement. Um, he's the Shermanator to the Dominator. Uh, a stylish batsman, remembered for you know his cavalcade of Turner Prize winning cover drives. Um, and he's been a compact, traditional, pure technique that he's brought to the game. Kind of comes from simpler times. You know, there's no need for twitching and ramp shots. You know, he's just a very simple technique that he had. And he's a one-club man. He played for Warwickshire from the age of uh, 14. Um, but it, it's unfair to call him a one-trick pony as a, as a sort of test purist. He was good enough to secure T20 spells with Perth Scorchers and uh, Islamabad United. And no one has scored more T20 runs for the Birmingham Bears. Um, now, another little stat, I've got a few, you know I like a stat. Um, I think of the specialist batsmen that have batted five, six and seven for England, no one averages more than Bell's 51 and no one can match his 16 centuries at test level. And where he features on runs scored across all formats, is Alistair Cook obviously leading the, the charge there, but he comes in at four above Graham Gooch, uh, which is quite a surprise. So... He, He's been sort of doing his thing for many, many years. And I think he's... One of the criticisms against him, I guess, is that he's always managed to come in and score princely hundreds once others have set the stage for him. And I think that might be a bit unfair but it, because of his position in the order. But lovely to watch and a, and a nice guy too. So, you know, congratulations on a top career. I think it is a little unfair. I agree with you. I think we almost kind of penalise batsmen when they, when they look good when they're elegant, this kind of sometimes contributes to this view that they lack, they lack backbone. Um, but he scored runs in, in all conditions and in all countries. He scored a ton of runs against India. I hated actually seeing him come out. Um, he just feasted on, on some of the, the more pedestrian Indian bowling attacks. Yeah, Darren. He did. Yeah, the Shermanator. Shane Warms. <laughs> Shane Warms Famous funny. Sledge. I just yeah. love that one. Um, <laughs> no, I remember him in in some of the Ashes series. I think it was 20, 2005, of course, but I think in, was it 2011? In that series, was it, or was it 2013? 
but he dominated that series, of course. And I, I think sometimes with players who look so easy at the crease and easy on the eye, they are, as you said, considered lazy. It's a bit like, you know, Usman Kawaja or or these guys. They look so languid that people think they're being lazy or they don't try hard enough. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate they get that tag. But yeah, definitely an England great. And was it third? One of the third highest scorers, right? Um ODI list as well, right? So no slouch in white ball cricket either behind Owen Morgan and Joe Root. So, you know, definitely made a huge impact on English cricket and, and a great player. Enjoy your retirement, Ian Bell. W- one quick word and one more minor, less less important guess. But Graham Onions has retired and I used to love it when Graham Onions and Phil Mustard were in the same team and, and I think that <laughs> the, the metaphorical cricket hot dog will miss Graham Onions <laughs> and certainly Phil Mustard. So hats off, chapeau to Graham you, Mr. Onions, Onions as well. Yeah, he, was he up in Durham, Graham Onions? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. What was his nickname? Hot dog? I don't know. Cheese? <laughs> Cheese? <laughs> Grilled. Cheese? <laughs> yeah. Spanish. What's um, okay. Tom Banton's nickname? Do you think it's Buju? Top, top Bants, I think. Top, yeah. Maybe. I, know, I know what it is in Brisbane. We play at the Brisbane Heats. It's Bants. <laughs> All right. Well, bad at Bants. Okay, so Ian Bell, well done. And of course, the other retirement on August 15th, Mahendra Singh Dhoni announced uh, that he had played his last match for India. He, in fact, played his last match for India last July against New Zealand. He was caught short in the World Cup semi-final. I sent out an Instagram post. Thanks a lot for your love and support throughout from 1929 hours. Consider me as retired on Indian Independence Day. Um, I mean, where to start with MS Dhoni? There's so much. How, how, do, you, how do you unpack that? How do, well, first of all, how do you unpack his, uh, his message? It, it was a kind of an odd, let's be honest, it was a kind of an odd photo slideshow he posted on yeah, it was on weird. It wasn't that best quality. Of Very low quality. <laughs> I think he might have knocked it together himself. I was kind of in, it was kind of endearing though, in a way. It wasn't in any way slick. It was kind of of a piece with how Dhoni has always conducted his career. He was not... Um, Low-key kind of... He was not a guy who was on social media. He wasn't modeling. He wasn't um, in nightclubs. He disappeared when he wasn't playing cricket. He went back to Bi- to Bihar, to Ranchi, uh, and he would hit the firing range and shoot guns and ride motorbikes. Uh, you know, he really wasn't interested, I don't think, ever in the... In the kind of like just, the, Daniel, the, the Daniel Day-Lewis of, kind of, of acting, right? Yeah, I mean, it, the military-industrial complex of cricket held little <laughs> appeal for him, I think. And that was, I think, really the secret to his... Success, to, certainly to his longevity, being Indian captain is no joke, right? It's a really tough thing. Uh, it's kind of the most uh, high-profile role in the country. And um, he held it for a very long time, but he never looked particularly flustered. I mean, he, 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 he took on T20 captaincy in, what, 2007, became a one-day captain and test captain by 2009 and didn't, didn't relinquish the captaincy until, like, well, the test captaincy was slightly earlier, but in, in one day, as he held it for several years. He never looked um, uncomfortable in the spotlight. He, he handled it really well. He, he got better at handling it, even. You know, he 
became very funny in press conferences, and I've actually got some quotes if we have time. Um, but I think for MS Dhoni, I mean, just a hugely influential cricketer. Uh, you can make the case for him being the most influential cricketer of this century to date. You can probably argue he's the most influential Indian cricketer of all time. That would be a harder one um, to say. But, I mean, you look at his career. Uh, he made his ODI debut at 23 in 2004, Test debut in 2005, T20 debut in 2006, captained India to first World T20 victory in 2007 in, in the first World T20. That, of course, ushers in the IPL uh, in which he captained CSK to the to uh, victory leads India to the number one test ranking and then becomes the first captain to hold all three uh, one day trophies at the same time after captaining India to the World Cup in 2011 and the Champions Trophy in 2013 um, and in particular he turned India from a team that competed to a team that could win and that could win from positions when you would expect them to lose. And it really changed Indian cricket so much. I think, I really probably do think he was, in that respect, more influential than any Indian captain. Because when Dhoni was captaining India, you felt that India could win unwinnable games. And they won many unwinnable games. Whether he was chasing, you know, he's a, a prodigious chaser of totals. We perhaps forget that. The last couple of years of his career wasn't too kind on him in that regard. But we think back to the first 10 years of his career, I mean, the number of times that he chased down totals, he just had this kind of calculator in his brain, possibly the best chaser, certainly up there with, you know, Virat Kohli or Michael Bevan. And and even when India were bowling, you know, he would he would often pull a rabbit out of a hat, throw the ball to an un, unfancied bowler. And his his ability to remain calm, I think he once said in an interview, he didn't give many interviews, but he once said that he's no different to other cricketers. The one thing is that he he is able to remain calm for longer than other cricketers. Uh, and I think that's a really, that is probably his, um, his kind of key, his key quality as a cricketer. I mean, he could hit huge sixes. He was a very competent wicketkeeper, the most dismissals across formats, I think. But really, I think what set him apart was his ability to remain calm in high-pressure situations. Uh, it's, a, it's a rare quality. And actually, I would say India is lacking that quality of late. So, yeah, tremendous career. I mean, in terms of stats, there's, I mean, there's so many. I don't even know where to start. He scored 12,000 runs in, in one day as he averaged 50, strike rate of 87. He scored 229 sixes, which uh, I have a feeling is some sort of a record. He was the first Indian to hit 200 sixes. That was it. Third captain ever to win 100 games in ODI cricket, first non-Australian, um, first player to pass 10,000 runs in ODI cricket with a career average of over 50, led India to number one test cricket for the first time, most successful Indian test captain still, even though I don't think anyone would suggest he was a great test captain, um, fastest century scored by an Indian wicketkeeper, first to 56s by an Indian captain, Played the most matches in ODI history as captain. Most wins in T20s as captain. Most consecutive T20 innings without a duck. There's something about chasers. I'm not sure I can find it now, but there was a stat I saw about, about chasers and how he was like the best chaser in, in limited overs cricket. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to hear your 
your thoughts on him? Because obviously he's so highly rated in India. I think he was really high to, highly rated in Australia. I'm not sure he ever won over the Eng- English fans, though. No, I, I, look, I think he's obviously a, uh, one of the finest modern players India has produced. And he just rattled off some very impressive statistics. And clearly he's at the top of his game and for a long time, which is this, this, the sign of a quality athlete. If you can continue to deliver for many, many years as he's done. Um, I used to love seeing his long flowing hair coming out from behind his batting helmet. It's, things changed after he sort of became sense, captain sensible. Um, but you, you look at look at India lineup uh, and with Dhoni in it, sort of middle middle order, and it's got meat and it's got power, and you know there's going to be some big hitting come your way. And I think that that was always psychologically to see someone of that quality so low down an order often would be quite a, a big thing. So uh, he's done it all. Um, he's has the pride of a nation behind him, and he's a fantastic player. And my, my, just a quick word on. Hindustan Times put a fantastic headline as Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Bye, which I thought was fantastic. That's a brilliant headline, actually. Yeah, well, well summed up. Darren? Yeah, I mean, I, I still remember him, you know, watching that 2011 World Cup final and him hitting that six that really sailed to India home. And I think he scored 91 not out that night. But I think that was, the, that was sort of when he was really emblazoned into, into sort of legend, you know, after that. And I think the way he, he played the whole tournament where he finished games, helicopter shots, you name it, uh, what a legend. The, the other thing I think that I noticed watching it was when he was captaining, how he would be able to calm down the bowlers and the other fielders. I mean, that's a really strong attribute of a great captain. I remember in the IPL, I think Adam Zampa was a very young guy at this stage. I think he was bowling in the IPL and Donnie was keeping. And he got hit for two sixes and you could see in a, in a row, I forget who was batting, but he dropped his head, he walked back to his mark and Donnie ran up to him, had a chat with him and told him what to bowl, how to bowl. And he looped the ball up the next ball and Donnie got him stumped, the batsman stumped. And you could see Zampa just go, wow, you're just a legend. I mean, I think that he did that to a number of younger players. He made those young Indian players too feel welcome in the team and give them confidence that they could rise above what they could actually deliver. And I think that's a really strong thing that I take away from MS yeah. Donny watching yeah. him play. And he brought through a lot of young cricketers as well. I mean, Virat Kohli for one, but of course, uh, Suresh Raina, who maybe we'll talk about in a moment, um, <laughs> who uh, accompanied him on, on every stage of his career. We, I mean, we haven't really even mentioned his his captaincy of CSK. He's been brilliant. Um, you know, the one blemish on his career, I think, obviously, was the two-year suspension of CSK from from the IPL for, for, for various various transgressions. Is that, is that his fault? He was involved, but, you know, Dhoni never really uh, got into trouble on the field at all. You know, disciplinary, no sledging, no chat, nothing. He just wasn't interested. I don't even think he thought the game of cricket was worthy of him getting that angry or, or just kind of breaking a sweat to that extent. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just, he kind of, you almost felt like, yeah, he, he, it would demean him to carry on like a pork chop. Let's say. <laughs> on the field he just wasn't what interested. What, what do you and, see him doing next by the way because i know politics is often a route for former greats would you he's not immediate media yeah, type i would he? be yeah I, I can't see him in the media he's um i mean he's got a great cricket brain i think he would bring a lot of insight to the commentary box but he's never been one to share his wisdom and his his maybe in hindi his english is not um it's got it got a lot better um from when he burst onto the scene uh, some of his his early interviews are, are uh, kind of memorable, um, 
But I can't see him in the commentary box. Maybe politics. It would be disappointing, but I've seen it happen. He, doesn't he get involved with, with the military a bit? He's really into the army. He's like an honorary colonel or something. So maybe we'll see him up at the uh, Siachen Glacier sometime soon. You know, I hope not. I mean, I, I do think one thing worth, another thing just worth quickly pointing out about Dhoni is um, just the way he got into cricket. I don't know if we'll see that again. You know, he didn't come through any academies. Um, you know, he, was, he really was from an unfancied part of India. I think he was the first uh, test player from Jharkhand, a, a state in India, which is better known for, for its lawlessness. You know, I know it's it's quite normal now to see cricketers come from outside the, the metropolitan areas, but he really came out of nowhere. He was pursuing a career in the railways. He was a ticket conductor. Didn't expect to make it anywhere in cricket. Uh, caught the eye of coaches in club cricket because he could hit the ball so far. Um, he was playing for, I think, Central Coalfields. Um, and then just got pushed into the, I think it was the Bihar team. And actually... Funnily enough, we have to uh, we have to thank Greg Chappell for uh, getting Dhoni into the Indian setup. One of the one of the probably one of the few good things Greg Chappell did for Indian cricket was. Uh, I've never really... heard you say a good thing about Greg Chappell. <laughs> I know, I know. First one. There you <laughs> go. So he did something some good. He did, yeah. He really fast tracked um, Dhoni because Dhoni was playing for Bihar and Bihar were not. They were in the second division, and it was kind of thought that if you're in the second division, you shouldn't play for the Test team or the the international team. Um, but Chapel apparently was was quite insistent, and uh, I think it turned out pretty well. He's definitely going to write a memo, I suppose. Someone will ghost write it for him. What is what is book going to be called? We've had some shocking book titles. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe something about because you know that the whole thing about nineteen twenty nine hours. No one yeah, knows what it maybe means. That's, that's the title of the book, nineteen twenty nine. Yeah, I mean, some people think it's a reference to Grant Elliot. Grant Elliot tweeted it. <laughs> what? He tweeted, when, when New Zealand knocked India out of the World Cup, uh, and in fact, Dhoni was the critical wicket, as you all recall, he was run out. And by that point, it really was a, an older, heavier Dhoni. Grant Elliott put a tweet out saying, what a game or whatever. And that tweet was at 7.29. So some people think, I can't imagine Dhoni cares one bit what Grant Elliott said. <laughs> it's an amazing coincidence. Like, yeah, yeah. There's another one um, which suggests that I don't know what this means. Angel number 1929 brings a message that you've completed a major phase or cycle in your life and that you are well supported by the angels and universal energies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Numerology. Numerology, people. Um, Maybe most likely that it was sunset. That was the time of sunset. And it was Indian Independence Day. So as the sunset, so it did. Indian Independence. So it did on a career of the likes of which I don't think we will ever see again in India, really. Um, so, yeah, well done to MS Dhoni. I've he got some quotes. I don't know if we have time. Do we have time? Of course he, we do. He made some, he has some, some really, he was really good value, I thought, Dhoni, in, uh, in press conferences. He was, um, just had a sort of dry sense of humor and you could tell he wasn't that bothered about anything. He said, uh, one of my favorite ones was, um, another 20 days and you can apply for citizenship. He said after uh, at the end of India's very long tour of Australia, um, uh, when he was talking about T20, he said, "Personally, I feel I use a bit too much of my brain in this format." 
he was always a very good runner between wickets. Uh, he said, uh, you can convert 1.8 runs or 1.9 runs into twos, but not 1.75 or 1.7. After a poor display, he said, I won't count it as a bad performance. It was so bad that I can't count it as a performance. <laughs> That's pretty good. Another brilliant one. Uh, he often was very clear about what he thought of India's test bowling attack. Uh, you kind of often felt for Ishant Sharma and, and, and the others. Uh, he said, um, whenever we have played with four fast bowlers, two things happen. One, the captain gets banned. Two, we lose. <laughs> in the 2013 Champions Trophy final in the huddle, India were, chase, were defending at a low score, something like 116, I think. Uh, off 20 overs, and his, his, his words of wisdom were, God is not coming to save us. And they worked. Frankly, I'm quite bad at analysing technique. You have seen my technique. Which is true. I think that's one thing we should probably bear in mind. He was like the exact opposite of Ian Bell, really. His, uh, you know, his technique was very idiosyncratic. And then after being whitewashed back-to-back in England and Australia, he was asked... Which was worse, he said, you die, you die. You don't see which is the better way to die. <laughs> so there you go. It's a good one. That's a good one. Very good. To finish it off there. All right. And so all of that is just prelude to the big, the big retirement. Darren, Suresh Reiner has... The big retirement. I thought you were talking about Cam White. Oh, so- Suresh, Suresh, Suresh Reiner. Suresh Reiner, yes. Turn the lights on. Donny's valet. Yeah, and he announced it right after Donny, which I don't know. I'm not sure. Do you think he he created the post for him as well? (laughs) Do you think Donny knew that Reiner was going to announce his retirement? I would be annoyed if, if, you know, Donny should should have the media cycle all to himself, really. Maybe maybe Donny did it on purpose. So it could be distracting. Maybe. Do you think Reiner just decided then and there, well, I've got to retire now. This is it. I think I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> if Donnie's out, then I'm done. Yeah. Well, Suresh Reiner, I mean, yeah, he had a good career. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, not in test cricket, but in limited overs, he's got a ton of runs. And, and you know, yeah, he probably good. he will be best remembered for his exploits in T20s where he was a huge part of CSK's success. And we'll talk about him more in a little bit. Cam White, Darren. I, can't, I must confess, I don't remember anything about Cam White except he bowled leg spin, right? He was supposed to be the, sh- the new Shane Warne, you know, because everybody wanted to be a leg spinner, right? But he was a quite interesting character, not unlike Steve Smith, to be honest. He was actually captain of the Australian Under-19 World Cup winning team in 2002 and was the highest run scorer in the tournament. So he had this great, he went through the academy, he was this great cricketer, great batsman, he could bowl leggies a bit, and he was going to be the next big thing. And then it's a bit of kind of bit of a boulevard of broken dreams sort of deal with him. He was in and out of the team, you know, for a while. He was T20 captain in, the, I think, 2008, 2009. He sort of got into the team on great form in first-class cricket, but never really went on with it, can never really cement his place. And one of the things I love about his, about Cameron White is his nickname. <clears throat> and his nickname is The Bear. You know, he's quite big. He's six foot two, six foot three. He's got sort of you know, sandy blonde hair. And they call him the bear because he looks like the mascot of the Bacardi, oh, sorry, the Bundaberg rum bottle. Oh. There's a mascot, a polar bear. So that's his name, apparently. So that's, that's Cam White in two minutes. I mean, he had a good domestic career, right? 
He did. Yeah, he's one of the one of the best scoring. And he played he played uh, in county for a while for a few different counties. He did pretty well, I think. He even played for the Deccan Chargers and did okay. Remember the Deccan Chargers when yeah, they were around? Yeah. I've got wo- loads more Dhoni quotes. Do we have time for a few more? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> let's get on, let's get on with the IPL. All right. You may put hybrid fuel in the car, but the cylinder, the engine, everything needs to be like that. That was on whether India needs needs a fielding coach. What? That was on whether India could would improve with a fielding coach. Right. He also said <laughs> he also said now even Petta has said you can't cosmetically remove the tail. That was on India's terrible low, lower order batting. Churchillian. Yeah, there's there's tons, man. There's so many. But yeah, he, he kind of give it to his team team members and teammates oh, yeah. in press conference, wouldn't he? He'd he? he really give it to them. He did. The only person who can control Sri Sant is Sri Sant. It is beyond my control and I don't think too much about it. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah. Good advice for life. All right, let's move on. We've got to get on to the IPL, the Indian Premier League, which this year is taking place in Dubai. Dubai? UAE? Just Dubai. UAE. UAE. Oh, Abu Dhabi as well? I can't be just on one ground, can it? It must be on a couple of grounds. Who knows? Actually, be, probably yeah, with be. the bubble, it might just be one ground. I don't think so. Okay. They can't be on one ground. They couldn't, they couldn't keep playing. Surely Sharjah as well. All right. I think it is. Okay, so we're going to do two minutes on each team. Okay. All right, two minutes coming up. Okay, winners in 2008. That was a long time ago now. Big news, Steve Smith is captaining the side. Uh, he was looking a bit groggy, actually, at Old Trafford. I think he's had a few health issues. I hope he's all right. Um, after Rahani flopped last year, Smith took over at the, at the death and did really well and turned things around and has got the job, the plum job. So their squad boasts their own fab four. That's Steve Smith, Joss Butler, Ben Stokes and Joffre Archer. But I think the disparity between them and local talent is quite quite stark. There are 17 local uh, uh, players in the setup, but they've got a combined 100 international caps between them. And uh, Robin Atapa alone accounts for 59, but 12 of them are uncapped. Um, so dark horses potentially for the RRs at Rajasthan Royals. All right. Darren. Don't they have Tom Curran as well? And Andrew Ty? Yes, I didn't include everybody. I just, just skirted over the big beasts. Oh, okay. Just a little yeah, skirting yeah. over. Small print. Small print. Delhi Daredevils, Darren. Delhi Daredevils. I, Delhi Capitals, even. You know, I, I feel like I'm a bit... <laughs> Delhi, Delhi Capitals. Capitals. I, feel, I feel like I'm kind of like Glenn McGrath, how he always picks a 5-0 result in the Ashes. Um, I'm going to be right, and I think this could be the year for Delhi. They've never won. They made the playoffs last year. I think Shreyas Iyer has come along as an international cricketer and a captain. He's had two or three seasons now. He reminds me of Collies. He's kind of Collies Padawan, really. He bats like him. He's, he's got his own, he's, own, he's, own, he's own man, you know? Yeah. I think there's a great quote that's going around from Mohit Sharma. Um, I don't know if you saw that quote. I did, yeah. Um, he said, if we keep results aside, the Delhi team has always been very good. Mohit Sharma. So no need. Moet Sharma is not in my starting 11 no. um, after that kind of ridiculous well, comment. Well, if, if you kept bowling averages aside, Mohit Sharma would be very good. He'd <laughs> be a great bowler. Yeah, he'd be amazing. So I think it's a pretty strong squad. Here's my kind of probable 11. They'll go with Shikha Darwan, Prithvi Shaw to open, probably Shimron Hetmeyer, Shreyas Ayer, Pant, and then they'll choose either Stoinis or Kerry, I think at number six or seven. They'll definitely go with Ashwin, who's a match winner, 
and Rabada will lead the bowling as well. Then they'll go between Ishant Sharma, Lamashani, Mishra, I suppose. And they've got this young player from Australia called Daniel Sams, who's a really good left arm quick. And I think they might give him a game. Daniel Sams. Daniel Sams, yeah. Daniel Sams, right. Got it. But Ajinka Rahani, I've left him out of my probable 11. He might start, but I'm not sure uh, where I fit him. That's Delhi. Okay, CSK, Chennai Super Kings, three-time winners, the second most successful franchise. They've got to the, what is it? Have they got to the, the elimination stages every single time? Every single season? Close to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, every single season they were suspended twice. Except when they were banned. Yeah, except when they were banned. They're a bit Dad's Army-ish. They are heavily reliant, of course, on MS Dhoni, who's the captain, Faf Duplessis, Shane Watson, Dwayne Bravo, Ravindra Jadeja, Imran Tahir, who are all getting on a bit. Uh, two players have come down with coronavirus and Suresh Raina left the team for personal reasons, which was big news and does weaken them somewhat, um, particularly in the bowling department, but also in the batting department, um, although they have more batting backup, I think. Bowling is a, spin bowling is a little bit of a concern, perhaps, although they do have Piyush Chawla, Imran Tahir, Mitchell Santner, Khan Sharma and Ravindra Jadeja. Oh, that's right. Harbhajan Singh has opted out of the tournament too for personal reasons. We hope he's okay or his family is okay. But that does leave them a little bit light. Uh, I also think pace bowling is not well stocked. Deepak Chahar and Shadul Thakur are there, um, the two Indians. They've also got Sam Curran, Lungi Ngidi and Josh Hazelwood. But it will be a struggle to get all of those overseas players into the eleven. Um Ultimately, you write CSK off at your peril. I uh, suspect they will get through to the knockout stages. They will be there at the business end of the tournament. As we've just discussed, Dhoni knows how to win games. They have a lot of experience. They have a, they're not just Dhoni. They have a lot of players who know how to win games and, and win under pressure. As we've seen at the, at the end of the IPL, it's not about the big hitting. It's about game management, right? So do they have enough to win it? I don't know. They'll do fine. And the wickets always get always get worn later in the tournament, right? So they slow down. It's harder to score runs. So, yeah, they'll always feature that. But I do think, you know, Harbhajan Singh's got an amazing record in it, and so did Rhino. Those are two big blows. Toby, over to you. Let's go to Bengal for the Kolkata Knight Riders. And twice winners, I think these are big beasts, and then they'll be there and thereabouts at the end of this tournament as well. Remember, the, the, the pitches in the UAA are likely to be flat and slow, so that may have an effect on... Uh, on run scoring. The coach for the Kolkata Knight Riders, big Baz McCullum, comes with a great pedigree, knows this game inside out, is popular with his team and the fans. Captain Dinesh Kartek, uh, nicknamed DK, make of that what you will. Um, and at first you run the rule over this team and it looks solid, maybe like a nice sponge cake with, but without too much icing. And then boom, you see Pat Cummins and Owen Morgan providing those cherries on top. Dre Russell and Lockie Ferguson, who I really like, had a great World Cup. A um, little sidebar conversation here. Lockie Ferguson and Pat having hilarious banter in the Hindustan Times involving the weather. So check that out if you've got time on Google. Both of those lads clocking over 90 miles an hour. And then Aussie Chris Green brings a bit of uh, intrigue with his all-round spin and batting options. Um, so I th- look, looking at the, the bookies, they're 7-1. to one. They're not the favourites, but I, I think they might be dark horses. Very good, and comfortably inside two minutes. Thank you, Toby. And look forward to, uh, to seeing that particular cake rise. Darren, over to you. I'm going to do RCB, perennial wooden spooners. 
They've never won it. They've never been close. But now they have a new team. Mike Hu Hessen and Simon Kadich at the helm. Kato. I see you're looking at me. Remember Simon Hessen, Kadich. the former Kiwi coach. Okay. <clears throat> there is a lot to like about this squad. There's a lot to like. I do worry about the death bowling. They've lost Kane Richardson, has decided not to play. So they don't really have many death bowling options, but I'll go for what I think will be their top squad that they'll put out in the park. Aaron Finch must open, and he'll be batting with Dev Dutt Padikal, who's the hot young thing in Indian cricket, under 19, left-hander, 20 years old. He's averaging 65 in domestic T20s. He's an explosive left-hand batsman. Uh, Let's see if I think they'll put him at the top of the order. Um, Then they'll have, of course, Virat Kohli, A.B. de Villiers. I'm picking Moeen Ali in my top six. Probably Shivam Dubé, Chris Morris, Washington Sundar, the spinner. Chahal, Navdeep Saini, Yadav, and Siraj. And they've still got to fit Dale Stain or Adam Zamper in there somewhere. So I, I don't mind the squad they've got this year. I expect them to do better than they've ever done. I think having Aaron Finch at the top of the order to work with Coley and De Villiers is genius. I do worry a little bit about the bowling, the death bowling, as I mentioned, but that's me for RCB. So they might do better than, they might finish in the top four. It's bowling's, has bowling's always been their problem, has it not? Is that always, is that not the case? I think it's just the team cohesiveness. I, I think they can't work out who their best six are to bat. They, they can never get their bowling combinations right. It, it's probably the captaincy, to be honest. They probably should give it to somebody else. Well, that, that's a really good segue for me to Mumbai Indians, uh, the most successful franchise in uh, IPL history, four-time winners, defending champions. And of course, uh, Rohit Sharma, uh, whisper it, possibly the best limited overs captain in India. Um, his uh, captaincy, I think, has, has really improved and, and probably was the reason they won in 2019. They've created a bubble within the bubble, Apparently, they've uh, created this little sort of uh, space in the St. Regis, Regis ballroom where uh, they can all hang out. Um, it's a nice hotel. Uh, in Dubai, I've not been, not been to it, I must say. Yeah, I missed that one. But anyway, let's talk about the team. Um, so, of course, there's Rohit Sharma, Surya Kumar Yadav uh, at the top of the order. Quinton de Kock, let's not forget. They've got Chris Lynn. They've got the Pandya brothers. Who can forget? Hardik and Krunal. They've got Kyron Pollard. Big hitter, Polly. Lasit Malinga has opted out, which is a bit of a problem for them. They've still got Ishan Kishan, who might come in at number four. And then in the bowling, no, I'm not sure if you count it as a weakness. Uh, they've got Trent Bolt, Mitchell McLennigan, and Nathan Coulton-Nile uh, as the kind of foreign pace bowlers. They don't really have strong Indian pace bowling options. Um, and I think the spin reserves are looking a little slim. There's Rahul Chahar, uh, who hasn't played many games. He played well last season, played very well, uh, but is still fairly inexperienced. Um, there's Krunal Pandya, but you know you wouldn't, Bet your house on him. And then there are some various other scrubs uh, who are apparently other spin bowling options but are unlikely to set the world on fire. So that's their big problem. Um, but they've got some really big advantages, I think, in terms of their batting, in terms of the captaincy, in terms of, you know, big players like Pandya and Pollard and De Kock uh, and Rohit Sharma uh, and some really exciting Indian talent as well. So... Um, I honestly still think it, you would take a brave 
person to bet against the Mumbai Indians. Uh, maybe you guys will disagree, uh, but over to you, Toby. Well, well, well. Uh, final team for me is Kings Eleven Punjab. Just looking at the bookies again, Indian bookmakers, others are available. They are right at the bottom of the current Betway odds at 10 to 1. So big outsiders. Uh, they've never won it, never the bridesmaid, never even the bride. And they are coached by the great Anil Comble and captained by the superb KL Rahul. Oh, God. And They're going to be miserable then. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, looking at their side, they've got an interesting blend. It, it feels a bit odds and sods, to be honest. Um, they've, they've picked up Jimmy Neesham, who's a, a really good limited overs player. Chris Jordan knows his way around uh, the boundary rope. Nicholas Poran, who I really like from the West Indies, uh, is kind of backup or fluffer to Chris Gale, the universe boss, who is taking his bow in the IPL once again. Um, some fantastic... Chris, Chris Gale's fluffer. That's... Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's I a, just heard too. That's a, that's, I, I think the workload for that job would be, um, mm. yeah, pretty heavy. <coughs> oh, jeez. Say no more. Come on. Uh, and the, <laughs> I didn't talk about the payload, hey. <laughs> Universe boss, primary focus. But this lovely digital content that uh, Chris Gale's been doing on the Punjab, uh, on, the, on the website. So check that to check that content out, hot content. Uh, Glenn Maxwell, Maximum Maxwell comes to join as well. He's obviously had a very good tour of England and might be bringing, hopefully, that uh, quality form to the Punjab side. And the bowling attack looks a little bit one pace. Mohammed Shami is a key figure in that attack. Um, so I think bits and pieces there, it doesn't feel like a cohesive side and I don't see them causing any shocks unless the bookies are wrong. That is the Kings eleven Punjab. Okay, excellent. Well... We kind of went into uncharted territory with that one. Fluffers and big shows. Darren, top that. <laughs> Speaking of payloads, we have the Sunrisers who have reinstated David Warner this year as captain. Um, of course, they won it under David Warner in 2016. Um, and one of the big highlights that everyone loves about the Sunrisers Hyderabad is big Johnny Bairstow opening with David Warner. Um, last year, they put on 400 partnerships for the opening. It was great to watch before they, I think they broke up halfway through as they had to go and do their international duties. Um, but it looks like a pretty good side to me. Let me just talk through what I think might be a starting 11. They've got David Warner with Johnny Bairstow. I think those guys will, will definitely open the innings. There's Manish Pandey will probably go at number three. Vijay Shankar or Williamson, there. They'll have to probably make a decision there. I, I imagine they'll put Kane Williamson in. Virat Singh, the big header, will be in there. And then they've got a, a good combination to make here between Mohammad Nabi and Mitchell Marsh. So if it's a faster paced wicket, they might go for Marsh. More spin, they might go for Nabi there. They've got Rashid Khan in there as well, uh, this leg spinner. Um, Shabazz Nadim, who's a great slow left arm bowler. They'll probably put him in the 11. There's Bhuvanesh Kumar, Kumar sorry. <coughs> Khalil Ahmed, and your favourite, Siddharth Kaul or Sandeep Sharma. So I think they've got a pretty well-balanced-looking team there. Headband. I think the middle order is a bit questionable. I'm not sure how Manish Pandey and Vijay Shankar or Williamson will do, but Williamson's probably going to be in that side. So good at the top, soft in the middle, maybe, but some good bowling, some good bowling options there. Good at the top, soft in the middle. All right. I think they're a little light on the big hitting there. You think they're light on the big hitting? Yeah, that's... I think so. Yeah, who's who's their big hitter? Do you think? Well, they've got the two at the top. I mean, they 
At the top, yeah, but that's what I mean. That, they, you kind of need one. I, I, you, you do need one big hitter, right? At least. We've got Muhammad, Nabi, Marsh, um, Virat Singh, who are big hitters. So, I mean, if they come into their Sorry, own. who is Virat Singh? Is he... Virat Singh is a left hand, bit of a thrasher. <clears throat> He's been quite impressive in domestic cricket. But yeah, not, not as experienced closer there as some of the other teams have potentially. All right, let's pick a winner, gentlemen. Toby. I'm going to go for Calcutta uh, because it's my team. I've been to Calcutta. It's the only city I've been to in India. And I think the Mumbai Indians will probably win it again, though. Solid, solid, Toby. I think um, good criteria, good choices. Darren. I'm definitely saying Delhi will be there or thereabouts. And I'm going to predict the RCB will finally get their act together and get in the finals. I'm going to be really boring and go with CSK and Mumbai Indians. Um, I just feel like it's a disruptive time. I think people are a little bit flustered. Often they're away from families, and I think experience will count for more than it usually does in the bubble. But yeah, let's see. So it's, it's getting underway Saturday with the CSK versus Mumbai Indians, I think, tournament opener. So that should be fun. All right. Just to finish, um, some new developments in, uh, in, in English cricket in terms of um, some of the issues around race. Uh, Azim Rafiq, uh, former Yorkshire player, has, has alleged institutional racism at, at, at the county. Uh, so I think he said it almost drove him to the brink of suicide. Yorkshire has a, let's, let's say, a troubled racial history. Um, for, for, for many years, it was an all-white uh, county Uh it, it started letting in non non white players, but it didn't. It didn't actually have a, a, a Yorkshire born Asian player until the the late nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this, despite having a, the, the biggest Asian cricket league in the in the country, there's always been talk about Yorkshire. I mean, I've played club cricket in Yorkshire, and I can testify that it wasn't a lot of fun. Uh, and Azim Rafiq, I think Toby has been backed up by um, a Pakistani player, Rana Nabed Ul Hassan. Yeah, ex-Pakistani seamer, uh, Ronan Abid Al-Hassan, also coming out this week, second player alleging racism at Yorkshire, saying systematic taunting had occurred at the club um, while he was uh, a player as an overseas player. Um, and he played for Yorkshire between 2008 and nine. And it's a problem for Yorkshire. I saw um, that uh, Jason Gillespie, who was a uh, coach there, I think up until 2016, uh, also not happy about the reaction of the club to these allegations. I think he's me- mentioned a letter that had been written from uh, one of the suits at the, at the club that he didn't think treated the issue either ser- seriously enough or personally enough. So I, look, this isn't going away. And I, 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 you know, I worry that there are other issues at other counties and other clubs around the world. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. And it's very sad. It is sad. And I think, I mean, that is the problem with Yorkshire, isn't it? It's always been the... the- the traditional image of Yorkshire is the gentlemen in the committee rooms are, let's say, from a different generation. Um, there's been some terrible things that have happened in Headingley. I think the pig's head was thrown at Pakistani fans there once. I've been to matches at Headingley where it was very common to hear racial slurs, racial epithets. I actually thought they'd responded reasonably well, you know, with the, invest- the claim to investigate it honestly. They don't seem to be trying to to brush it under the carpet. The ECB has been really clear that they're not willing to tolerate this kind of stuff anymore. Um, I think it's, hopefully it's moving in the right direction. Uh, I think with all of these, these racism issues in sport, whether it's cricket or football or anything, lots of governing bodies and, and um, administrators are very good at 
using words to set out their stall in terms of what they're going to do. But often action doesn't happen or doesn't translate to change. And I think many, many communities have kind of had enough of that and want to see things actually changing. And I don't know what the answer is, but I think you know, it feels like a watershed moment for cricket to react in a, in a proper way. Similar to Michael Holdings' um, sort of uh, discussion. Well, he's had enough. Yeah, you know, that was... He's had enough with uh, England not, uh, not taking the knee anymore for BLM. He had some very harsh words. Uh, I'm sure you both saw that. Uh, he said, uh, accused the England team of forgetting about Black Lives Matter and suggesting they had just jumped on the bandwagon uh, and, and were no longer interested. Prompted a pretty strong response from Jofra Archer, actually, who, uh, who said that he was disappointed to, to read Mikey's comments and that England remained committed to Black Lives Matter. I don't, don't really know. I mean, I, 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 you know, I think if Michael Holding is criticizing you, his words carry a lot of weight, I think, as we know, and, and uh, perhaps some introspection required from England. And it does worry me that I think India and Australia are going to play soon. I'm not sure if they're going to do anything, really. So I think you're right. It kind of, it kind of needs this consistent focus, right, rather than just one-off. It does. And I think, uh, in, you know, Australia, Dan Christian, who is um, ethnic Australian as well, as Usman Khawaja has spoken recently about it as well. And I think Usman Khawaja has been appointed by Cricket Australia to some sort of task force looking at cultural diversity in cricket, which is great. I mean, it's real action that's happening out of it. So I'm glad they've spoken up and, and action seems to be happening, which is good. Yeah. I mean, with Yorkshire, I just wonder if other players are going to come forward. I mean, you, you wonder, um, I'm sure Adil Rashid is, is, you know, he's played for Yorkshire for many years. There's, you know, there's several um, Asian players that have come through the, the ranks at Yorkshire who have, have remained silent so far. Uh, and it could prove hugely damaging were they to speak up as well, right? Um, and not, as you said, Toby, you could see a domino effect happening if other count, uh, Asian players at other counties started speaking up as well. So one, one to watch, for sure. All right, gents. That's a, that was a lot. So thank you both very much. Do we want to finish with one more quote from MS Dhoni? Make it a good one. Go on. Go on, then. Uh, all right, let me make it a good one. Okay, well, I, I think this is something that can be applied not just to cricket, but to our podcast. The only thing that went well for us was the warm-up before the game. <laughs> there you go. I, I can't think of a better note on which to end this pod. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> <laughs>